0: Welcome to the mini-break, a brand new daily podcast brought to you by Cracked Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin. To start today's podcast, since this is our first episode, we kind of want to explain how this idea came to be, why we think this is a necessary thing to add to our Cracked Rackets repertoire, and in order to do that, I have to bring in today's co-host. I'd be remiss if I didn't introduce him as my doubles partner, partner in crime, and, and really, the man who's putting me to shame with his interviews with Braden Schnurr, because you f- killed that thing, Maxwell Bauer rothman Maxie, welcome to the mini-break.
1: Thanks, man. It was uh, it definitely was a fun interview, and uh, unfortunately, our GSP that we spent an hour and a half recording the other day, uh, where I introed that <laughs> interview, got deleted on your end. Um, so, and it's part of the reason why we are doing these podcasts is because they go a little too long. But also, just want to say, we will come with the new intro for this. That's not going to be our, our intro every time. We're going to find a, a fun uh, intro for this segment. But because we don't have a fun segment here, West Off, we need some sound effects to get this one started. We need sirens. We need a mariachi band. We need a tornado going through this place. And just give me a lion's horn, because I want super fun to see fun
0: and then we'll start this little... I so appreciate you put the Maxwell, the Bauer, Rothman spin on it by adding the mariachi band. That really is the way you kind of go about your life. And uh, as you mentioned, the GSP is its own monster, and unfortunately we lost that episode, but we will get back to that. But to start today's episode, to kind of explain our thinking for why we want to do this, you know, there's so much tennis that goes on on a daily basis, and that's one of the things that makes tennis such a unique sport and so enjoyable to follow, because whether it's junior tennis you know the Colette Lewis's of the world whether it's college tennis whether it's the challengers and futures circuit whether it's the you know professional level ATP WTA there are so many matches every day and if you've listened to a great shot podcast you know Max and I sometimes get buried in how many matches there are trying to touch on all of them it becomes difficult for us to focus on the big picture topics that we like to debate so often back and forth you know which of the young players do we think are going to break through which of the guys that went to college do we think are going to break through, uh, you know, change over chat topics. We want to do some fun things. USA versus Canada, Davis Cup, all of these things that we think are GSP subjects, but we don't want to forget about the tennis. So one of the our, you know, our thinking and in going into this sort of podcast is we're only going to talk about tennis matches in this. You know, we're going to do as our our favorite matches of the day. Break those down. Get you guys instant updates so that you, you don't get overwhelmed by the tennis either. If you miss Monday's play, if you miss Tuesday's play, you're like, oh, what were the big storylines? Oh, I can look at the mini break, which is aptly named because we're going to try and make it twenty to twenty five minutes so Westoff and Rothman don't stage a coup and kick me off of a podcast I've you know I enjoy so much and. That was really our thinking going into this. Now, Max, you are much better at explaining things than I am. I'm sure I missed some of the thinking as well, some of our reasons. Anything you want to add to that?
1: No, I mean, look, that that pretty much covers it. We want to make sure that we continue to break down the statistics from these matches, uh, which I know can get, you know, kind of repetitive in these long GSPs. So as you said, these are going to be nice and short and sweet Uh, bring you the necessary info and updates Uh, and just a heads up also this first week uh, we will be cheating a little bit uh, because especially because this GSP that we just recorded uh, isn't going to be able to get released because Gruskin blew it with his audio recording Uh, so we we will be going back to some of the tournaments from the last few weeks and uh, doing some daily updates on those.
0: We should also say we thought this week would be the perfect time to launch it because we have Indian Wells right around the corner. We have Miami right around the corner. There are going to be a lot of big matches played during that time, and we want to be able to get content to you guys right away. So we, th- we thought this was the perfect week to kick this off. Of course, we did not expect there to be so much great tennis this weekend, so that's going to be our topic today. And yeah, I, I agree with what you said, Max. This is just going to be our way, talking strict tennis, strict matches, getting it to you as fast mm-hmm. as possible.
1: Absolutely. And I think that the last thing I would say before I let you kick us off to start this first mini break uh, is that we will be switching off hosts for this podcast or this segment, however you want to look at it. And so tomorrow um, you'll hear me hosting it. uh, And throughout the week, we're going to be bringing in some of the other guys from the team uh, and you'll hear them host some of the segments as well. So just be on the lookout for that.
0: But Alex, the dirty the dirty secret of why we're doing this podcast actually is because I get yelled at all the time as Roth mentioned, I, The GSPs are too long. That on top of the fact we've got so many great voices now at cracked records, which by the way, you can hear all the things they have to say on our website crackedrecords.com. We want to give them a chance to thrive you know maybe we're going to throw in a stakoyak hosted episode. that'll be great. maybe a Jamie McDonald one that'll be bland but informative. I mean there's a <laughs> lot of great a, a lot of great personalities. I'm not going to let Dalton touch anything because we can't let da- I just imagine a Dalton episode. Maybe we get a Westoff episode. West off throwing some shots fired here on the sound effects) <laughs> <laughs> But as you mentioned, this intro is too long, uh, and the theme of this mini break is they're not going to be long. We're going to try and keep them 20, 25 minutes max uh, but, again, it's going to be getting tennis coverage to you as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, We can have more fun with the GSP, and we think you guys are going to enjoy this. Also, on Twitter, if there are any matches from that day you really want us to talk about, this Hit is a great up. way you know, for us to incorporate your feedback because we want to hear from you. But, okay, as you said, Max Rothman, let's get started with our coverage. So I think the place we have to start, because if you're on Tennis Twitter as often as I am, you know you know this guy dominated Tennis Twitter throughout this week. And we should say Sunday's episodes, uh, which will be released Monday morning, are always going to be recaps of the week that just passed. The guy I'm talking about, of course, Nick Kyrgios, who goes on just an all-time run in Acapulco this week to take home the title, the fifth title of his career. I think Kyrgios was around 80 when this tournament began. He's obviously going to get a big jump in the rankings. Max, he needed this result so badly, and because it's our first episode, we can cheat and talk about a bunch of his different matches, but the characteristic I saw, when he wants to, he's holding serve, period. Oh, I mean, his
1: serve is absolutely elite, and and let's just give our, our listeners, in case they didn't, you know, see this all in one full swoop, this is the run that Nick Kyrgios went on in this tournament in Acapulco. He takes out in the first round on Giuseppe, 6 3 7, 5 Proceeds to take out Rafa Nadal, three six seven six seven six. Then proceeds to take out uh, an improving and exceedingly healthy Stan Vavrinka, seven five six seven six four. Then proceeds to defeat John Isner, 7 5 7, 5, 5 7 7 6 Woo, a lot of sevens in this one. And then in the final, <laughs> takes out Zverev, 6-3-6-4, in just a dominant fashion. I mean, he played unbelievable tennis in that first set and uh, it was a little back and forth in the in the second but seriously just a a supreme week from Nick Kyrgios
0: uh this pot isn't going to be 25 minutes because it took you so long to read his score lines and that's just because he played so many tiebreakers now here are four numbers I want to throw at you 84 percent 80 percent 82 percent 77 percent those are Curios's win percentages on the first serve in those last four matches in Acapulco. When you can do that, get yourself in situations, you know, to play tiebreaker tennis, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Tiebreakers, it's up to seven points. Anyone can, you know, these guys are so even leveled now. There's so many different, you know, these guys can hurt each other in so many different ways that a tiebreaker to seven, anyone can win. And I just think what we saw from Kyrgios this weekend, his willingness to, I mean, ugh. Look, it's a limited podcast, so I have to be quick with my points. On the tennis note, guy can hit a winner from any position. Guy wants to move forward, make his opponent uncomfortable, never allow his opponents to get in a rhythm. He's going to blast forehand returns. One of the forehand returns he hit against Wawrinka was maybe the hardest tennis shot I have ever seen, off of a first serve nonetheless. Just ridiculous from Kyrgios. But then the thing I think we have to talk about, Max, just the way... He embraced the villain role this week. He was eating up the booze, trying to get the crowds to boo against him. And look, Kyrgios, we've talked about his attitude a million times, so we don't have to relitigate that. But just, it's fascinating. He's a polarizing guy. He is good for tennis overall.
1: It's just a storyline. So that, that's, a, that's a perfect transition to what I wanted to say because he started this tournament with a tweet that showed a bunch of fans lining up outside of his match. And he said, and he captioned it, but I'm bad for the sport with one of those emojis, like the crying face emoji. So, you know, obviously knows that people want to watch him play. Uh, You know, it's just, it's a crazy change of pace from his last match um, in Versailles against Albot. I mean, literally was walking around the court, didn't try in the GSP that, uh, you know, we weren't able to release. I was kind of bashing him because it was honestly just super disrespectful. And, um, you know, he moves into this tournament and is playing, of course, only guys that deserve the utmost respect when playing and, of course, brings out his A-game. Uh, but even even so, he still maintains this weird, lackadaisical kind of movement, but also, um, you know, it, it almost looks like he doesn't really care when he's out there at times. And, you know, I, I think, of course, that is part of his, you know, his aura, his, his scheme, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I actually do think it helps him play better in, in the big points. He stays relaxed because it's like, you know what? I'm not give a sh- at a drop shot, and I'm going to be loose, and, uh, and I, it seems to work for him. So clearly whatever he's doing, uh, he's doing right. But I, w- I also want to throw three uh, quick stats at you. It's actually all the same stat, but uh, his win percentage is now against the guys that he beat. So Zverev, he now has ov- uh, over 50% winning percentage against him. He's 4-3 and three against Varev. Nadal, he's now at an even 50%, and anyone who's even with Nadal is pretty wild. He's now 3-3 three and three with Nadal. Uh, Vavrinka, he's now 3-3 three and three with, and then Isner, he's now uh, over 50% with a 3-2 and two record over him. So, I mean, look, all these guys he's been competing with for years now, and I know I ranted too long here, and we don't have much time, but
0: I need to just get that all out. No, never feel rushed. It may be the mini break, but I still need to hear your thoughts. And I, I there's a Twitter account, at Matt Rackett. I'm sorry if I don't know your real name at this time, but it's one of my favorite tennis Twitter accounts to follow. He had a stat where it's like Kyrgios wins, I think it's 25% of his return points, some terrible number, and it's like on pace with, I think it was Laszlo Juer. So, so I, I don't remember the exact comparison, but check out his Twitter account if you want to hear more. It was a very interesting stat. And honestly, you saw that this weekend. There are times... Where he just doesn't care. He's gonna he's gonna miss three points in a row. And one of the things that has made me so angry, and I was gonna save this for the winners and losers take, but it's become this cool thing on Twitter. And it's so this is where you know tennis just Twitter in general gets me frustrated, Rothman, but it's now like the cool take to say, I don't care what the media says. Kyrgios is so great for tennis and you just need to enjoy him. And it's like, yeah, no f- <laughs> Like who who anyone who's saying Don't enjoy Nick Kyrios. He is bad for the sport. They're an idiot. You should have never been listening to him them in the first place because they don't know what they're talking about. Of course, you should admire Nick Kyrios the talent. Of course, everyone admires Nick Kyrios the talent. That's why he's so polarizing. Two things can be true. You can criticize Kyrios for all for his antics on the court and. You know, want him to improve and and show more consistency because he has the talent to do whatever he wants in tennis. And then at the same time, you can say, even though I want him to be better, watching him is so much fun. It's like you are not this novel philosopher who came up with this unique idea that you're the only person who appreciates Kyrgios because – Peter Bodo on ESPN wrote one bad story on him, and because it was on ESPN, now it has to be the consensus thought. It's like, that was never the case. I'm sorry for that rant.
1: No, I mean, but you're right. I mean, haven't we both been saying we enjoy watching him from the very beginning? Of course
0: we we hate his
1: attitude. His attitude is trash, and of course, like, you're not going to enjoy that. But when you go out there and you watch him hit, you know, 120-mile-an-hour forehands past Vavrinka in the blink of an eye, like, you have to admire it. Um, and, you know, at the same time, there is a spot deep down in him that really cares. If uh, you were watching the match versus Nadal, at the, I think it was at the end of the first set, he called over trainers um, and saying he was really sick. He felt sick to his stomach that he didn't know if he could go on. Um, and actually, his main concern and reason that he ended up continuing the match was he didn't want to get booed off the court. He literally said this is going to cause a media uproar. People are going to, you know think I'm just a you know a poor sport and and you know walk off this court um and so there there is a part of him deep down that cares but uh so it is good to see that out of him
0: my last curios related thing from Acapulco obviously he gets the title here uh he looks incredible doing it, but the thing I think was most impressive. I will always admire a good plug, and at every opportunity, he's <laughs> plugging his foundation, and I'm all about that. That's yeah. pretty cool from him to you know to see him do that. There is some good use, always that comes. Use out of the in publicity
1: the that he's yeah. Use the publicity he's getting and and plug something good. I I appreciate it as well.
0: Yeah, well then, let's move on to our next Acapulco. Uh, Just stay there for a little bit because there were some other interesting results I just want to get your thoughts on real quick. You look from the young American side. Francis Tiafo gets a much-needed first-round win over Jordan Thompson. Francis Tiafo also the sixth seed in this event. That's crazy. But, of course, he matches up second round with Mackenzie McDonald. Mackie takes him out 6-7, 7-5, 6-3. In that next round, Mackey matches up with Cam Nori. It's great that both those guys played college tennis as well to see them have the success. Nori takes him out 3-2. Other young guys we see succeed in this event. Alex Dimanauer makes a quarterfinal. Gets blown out by Zverev. Uh, Zverev, of course, ends up getting to the final pretty easy draw for him you know his toughest match cam nori that's really at a 500 that's crazy and of course he loses to just an informed kyrgios but just of all of those guys i mentioned real quick you know i think zverev we can say this for gsp zverev looks great and despite losing that match i mean he looks re- it's gonna be fun to watch him indian wells miami
1: Absolutely, and uh, another quick shout out. Mackie's first round win was over Emilio Nava, who was the Australian Open junior finalist, uh, and you know a family member, go, a family member of of uh, you know guy that I used to play with in in the juniors. But um, yeah, look, I, I mean, all these guys look good. Uh, Mackie again is is proving to us that he's playing fantastic tennis, and you know I think we could see him continue to to be making these. Uh, strides in in these tournaments in the coming months, but
0: I I agree with you. Zverev, oh, he looks so solid right now. I mean, Kyrie- you laughed at me when I said he gained five pounds in muscles since the Australian yeah. Open. I don't think it's that outlandish. Like he looks fit. He he does,
1: and I mean, if you watch his match against Kyria, he literally was drenched, like there was <laughs> he, he 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 jumped out of a pool uh, during that match. But yeah, I think. The only way you're beating a Zverev is if you do what Nick Kyrgios did and hit 40 drop shots and throw him off his game and hit slap forehand winners all over the court.
0: I mean, it's and it's Zverev- what there's three guys on tour who can do that. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, then my last Acapulco opponent I want to make Kyrgios, Dimenauer, Nori, Zverev, and I'm missing one. Oh, and, and McDonald. You know, none of them born before 1995. We talk about this generational shift. This is at an ATP 500, and it's legitimate all these guys were there. So we are really starting to see, you know, these young guys step forward and take shape. But let's move on to our next event. Um, Of course, we would like to talk about everything, and we have a couple of of break uh, days in between now and the start of Indian Wells, so we will touch on other events later on in the week. But let's move now to Dubai, where, of course, another story that I think... Actually took a backseat to Kyrgios. Roger Federer joins the Century Club. I'm not talking about his age. He gets his 100th title joining. Jimmy Connors is the only guys to do that on the ATP side. Get 100 singles titles. In the final, he takes out Stefano Tsitsipas. I mean, I don't want to talk about and What do you have to say?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, hey, great shot for that little pun about the Century Club. Um, but uh, I, I first want to bring up... The, the tweet from Jimmy Connors, uh, you know, you, you you retweeted this out um, from the Gray Shot Pod Twitter, but, <laughs> you know, the, the humble brag, like, oh, nice, dude, like, you also have 100 remind everyone.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, it's classic Jimmy Connors to remind everyone. Sweet fed, but I also did.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not that special. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, there's, there's not a whole lot to say, honestly, I mean... He, he had a little bit of a scare with Cole Schreiber in the first round, um, and, and even with Verdasco in the second round. But after that, you know, looks pretty comfortable. He, oh my god, Chorich just got blown off the court by Fed. And, uh, you know, Poss played a good match, but if Fed just, he he showed his veteran status out there. He is looking unbelievable at net. I mean, there's multiple highlights from the weekend of him at the net. Uh, yeah, I, I think honestly... Uh, you know what? I'll save this for my winners and losers. There, there are some matches in here where, uh, you know, I was surprised, but I also want to just bring up my guy, Gael Monfils, making a semifinal again.
0: Wait, before you do the Monfils thing, can I can I comment on the Federer stuff? <laughs> no, you no know, because you're not Monfils- allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Well, Monfils deserves his own praise, and I just don't want that to get lost in a Federer yes, rant. Got- um so, on the George note, I think George played 3-7-6 in the third matches in the lead-up to that. I'm not giving him an excuse. It's 2 out of 3. All of these guys are incredibly fit. But you could tell George was hurting, and it's just a fact. He was. And so, you know, yes, Federer looked great, but Federer had been tested to 3 sets, I think, in the 3 matches before that one. And then you look at that final. Yeah, you know, look, hold some- on a second.
1: George can't be hurting after those matches. Fed also played 2 out of 3. He's freaking 37
0: I uh, agree, but Federer does not play as physical style as Borna Chorich. Yeah, Fact. I don't care. If, if he can't get through three three-setters, he's f in a Grand Slam. He's got a hundred years of experience. He knows how to help his body a little bit better than Borna Chorich at this. Sure, but
1: then Chorich is never making a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam.
0: <laughs> We'll save that debate for a GSP. That's a GSP topic. Perfect. But so, just some fun things. We talked about that federer Pass final. It's the biggest difference in age in an ATP Tour final since Sydney 1977. Of course, that was also Jimmy Connors versus Ken Rosewall. Uh, just some of the other things from this. stefano Pass breaks into the top 10 after this event, ending the streak of Marin Cilic, who was in the top 10 for 122 weeks in a row. That's kind of crazy that he's fallen out, although I suppose he's been injured and we haven't really seen him much this year. Here. I mean yeah, you covered all the Fed stuff. If you don't know what a good Roger Federer looks like by now, you haven't been watching tennis. So I think we can leave that there. On the pass front, I mean this is a guy who is <coughs> you know oh, <coughs> Ooh, sorry, leave that in though for sure, West stuff. These are the joys of doing an instant pod a lot of thoughts really fast um the,
1: the mucus just wants to
0: leave the body <laughs> oh i I'm, like, I'm still not over my illness from the national indoors like i caught the college tennis bug both literally and metaphorically uh but you know can i get a oh, oh.
1: hopefully it wasn't schner he told me it wasn't him
0: Dude, I don't know. Watching people have to handle his towel in Cleveland, I've never felt so bad for ball boys before <laughs> in my life. But that's, again, that's a that's a thing for another time. Uh, getting back to Pos, please. Um, you know, for this guy, as good as Medvedev's looked, as good as Kachnov's looked, as good as Chorch has looked, as good as Kyrgios has looked... No one has been more consistent since the summer of 2018, other than Alex Zverev, than Stefano Tsitsipas. He has really propelled himself into that number two position of young guys waiting to make their breakthrough. Is is that a hot take, Rothman, or do you think that's fair?
1: Number two behind... Virev. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were putting him in a, in a different category. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I, I actually, I think we need that you know this needs to be probably our next GSP debate i was actually talking about this with a buddy of mine that i play tennis with here jeremy and uh, he thinks Tsitsipas poss is going to be the the first of those young guys to win a grand slam even over zverev um and you know he he might be right he honestly might be right
0: but and look, again in his, in his matches 69% 73% 70% win percentage on his first serve and his wins over Her catch, uh, Monfils, and Federer. Uh, Just the way he steps into the ball now. He's so solid on the forehand, you know, stepping into that, redirecting it down the line or cross court. He's gotten more comfortable taking one-handed backhands on the rise, really snapping those off. He's trying to move forward. His volleys get better and better. I feel like his serve, he's become more confident. really gets the toss out in front of him and snaps it off into the court Indoor hardcourt, which is what—not I not in Dubai, but I think he won a tournament the week before. And, I mean, for him, he's played so, so many matches. So for him to make finals back-to-back weeks, also really impressive. He's just—he's he he's really taken a leap. He's separated himself from the pack. And I don't know if I have him in the 10 grand slam count like I do, you know, Zverev as, in terms of potential double digits yet. Because I just I just need to see a little more how he's going to hold up two, uh, 3 out of 5 sets over 2 weeks but man, this guy's got a lot of things to like. He and see if Kyrgios is the bad boy. What is Sitzi possibly? Because he's not the good guy. He's the the hipster. Yeah, he's the out. He's gonna be.
1: He's like an outcast. It was, see, t- <laughs>
0: Yeah, tennis doesn't have an analytics movement like basketball, where analytics people are the hipsters and like because they stick to their numbers. But if there's a hipster crowd in tennis, that just they love the shot making, the ease, the carefree attitude, the dives around the court, the the you know the philosophic tweets. That's and the, the long flowing beautiful hair. Better hair, him or Alex Virov? No, him for sure. Oh, dude. Whatever, what do I know about hair? I'm bald. Nothing. I'll take your word Nothing. For it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well then, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the other results in Dubai. I cut you off earlier. Gael Monfils has looked so good thus far in 2019. He, oh my
1: god. Uh, it, it's so fun to watch. I mean, I've always found it fun to watch him. Uh, and that match against Pass. I mean, shit, he could have won that match. Um... Yeah, uh, I'll, all I'm going to say is look out for him in these Masters tournaments and in these Grand Slams. I'm really looking forward to him at Roland Garros. The way he's moving – oh, nice little voice crack there. Excuse me. Um, hey,
0: great shot. Oh, Not hey, great shot. Hey, mini break.
1: No, we, we can bring
0: the great shot into that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – it's
1: just going to be fun. I, there's not a whole lot more to say. He's had a lot of success, obviously, uh, you know, making the semis of Sofia, winning Rotterdam. You know, he's beat Gofen, Seppi, Medvedev, Vavrinka. He beat Tsitsipas in Sofia, um, you know. So this is maybe a little revenge for Tsitsipas, but it, he's just playing fantastic. It's, it's going to be fun. It's always fun with him. Yeah, it's and- going to be more fun watching and- him win.
0: Yeah, let's hope so, and I just want to add one more player from Dubai who stuck out to me, Hubert Hercat, who I'm sorry for butchering that. We saw him at the next-gen finals. He takes out Mutet round one, beats Nishikori in three in the round of 16, loses to Sissipak 7-6, 6-7, 6-1 in that quarterfinal round. He's a big guy, you know, it's kind of, you don't want to compare him to a Medvedev, uh, but big lumbering at the baseline, kind of a grinder back there, though can can hit through the court, you know, I want to see more of him, but again. Again, this generational shift—we're seeing it at every match. It—it's about time, and it was—it was obviously going to happen because you know the Benitoes of the world, the Simones of the world, the Ferrers of the world, um, that middle ground of people, even the Sam Queries of the world, the Ryan Harrisons of the world who dropped out of the top 100 this week—they weren't going to stick around forever. And it's interesting to see these young players fill the void again. It's just—it's a trend I'm seeing everywhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, look—he's 22. He's now at a career high of 67. Um, and also, just uh, again continuing continuing this trend, he's six five. This is another example of a, of a big guy making it, you know, for into the the upper echelons of the tennis, you know, society. And and I think that's something that we continue to see. Uh, how many how many of the guys in the top ten are over six five? They're sorry, o- I, over six foot. Almost all. I, mean, I think all, all of them. them. Maybe maybe not Nishikori. Exactly. So just that that's just another thing that I. I thought it was uh, interesting to note. But maybe we, uh, we move on to the winners and lo- losers of the week.
0: Yeah, I, I do want to do that. Let me just run a few stats by you before. And you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. You look at some of the guys who have career highs this week. Um, I'm sorry. Start, I'm it up starting with lap. her catch. No, of course, you, you mentioned him. He's at a, a career-high 67, but I'm just going to go through real quick. Tsitsipas, number 10. Vili, number 18. Dimenauer, 24. Vuksoviks, 32. Laszlo Gira, guy I'm sure we'll talk about later this week, 33. Guido Pea, 34. Cam Nori, 48. FAA, we will talk about him. He's on the Lost Pod, but number 58. Also, side note, speaking of the Lost Pod, listening to that Schnur interview one, I'm flattered that you were so willing to bring me up during the podcast. But two, I, I don't hate... Slicing. I didn't say you should never slice. And I really you hate slicing. His... Yes, I, I, you're, you're right. I <laughs> <do hate slicing. laughs> but I'm not saying you should never do it. I totally see his argument of changing pace. I'm just saying if you are stretched and the guy's on the precipice of moving forward and you think I'm going to slice it and keep it low on him, you're just in for a rude awakening. That's a hard shot to hit. And I just feel like – Look, that's, what, not... I say... yeah, no, that's he... what I said. Yeah.
1: That's what I – I said that. I said the same thing to him. But this is also a GSP yeah. debate. Yeah.
0: He... You getting into him about his volleys and just having the balls to, you know, the huevos to ask that question. I was, hey, great shot. I was so (laughs) happy. I just, you, you killed it that interview. But again, getting back to these top five, I believe I left off at FAA 58, Mackie McDonald, 62, Lundero, 64, Hercatch, 67, Christian Guerin, not that old, 72, Hugo Delian, 87, Casper Rude, number 94. I mean, it's just a little bit about the Federer. Obviously, we mentioned he's number. Or a little bit more about the success. Blah, 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 blah. Leave it all in West. End. I'm trying to throw all these stats at once. You know, first time title winners this season: Alex Dimenauer in Sydney, Tennis Sandgren in Auckland, Lundero in Cordoba, Opelka New York, Jir Rio de Janeiro, El Bat Del Rey Beach, Guido Pea Sao Paulo. So we've seen a ton of new winners. Now to end it all, of course, Roger Federer. Just some fun stats about him. Obviously, he gets title number one hundred this weekend. You look at some of the events he's won, 46 on outdoor hard, uh, 23 on indoor hard, 18 on grass, 11 on clay, 2 on carpet. I'm so jealous I never got to see him play on carpet, or just I didn't get to see much tennis on carpet in general. And then the breakdown, he's won 20 slams, 6 ATP finals, 27 Masters 1000s, 22 ATP 500s, 25 ATP 250s. I wonder how many challengers and futures is are on that list and not included as well, but I mean, it's it's been a fun time to be a tennis fan. There is a lot that happened this week, I guess is what I'm trying to leave you with the message of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Perfect. Well, then, let's go to our last segment, <clears throat> Winners and Losers. We're going to try and do this every Sunday because, as I mentioned on the Sunday podcast, that it will be released Monday morning. We're going to be recapping the week that was. Max, give me your winners from this week.
1: I mean, so obvious winners, you, you just have to start off with the Kyrgios and the Fed. Um, other winners, I'm going to give to Cam Nori. You know, great job making a semifinal, playing fantastic tennis. Um, you know, another winner, I'm actually going to give to Isner. You know, he, he didn't have a, an easy draw and, and played some good tennis to stick it out all the way to that semifinal. So he's a, a winner in my book as well. Um, and then from the Dubai side, my my winners here... I have to give it to to Cici I was gonna give it to Herkoc for you know playing some fantastic tennis, taking out Nishi, Corey, and then Monfils because he's my boy. He's my boy, Blue. (laughs)
0: I like it. Well, then I'm gonna go through a couple of my winners this week. I I know we don't get to talk about it as often as you and I would like, but that's another reason why we're doing this daily pod. Sophia Kenin, someone I was so high on from last season, the young American, she makes a WTA final. That's obviously a huge result, and you know she's a winner for me because I had her number three okay. on my performers in 2018 as well. So I always got to plug myself. Okay, well then I feel like a winner. I didn't realize we
1: were also throwing out a WTA one. Um, I also have a WTA winner from this. week week. Uh and that's Jennifer Brady making uh, a WTA final in Indian Wells, you know, former UCLA uh champ back in 2013, I think. I think it was 2013. Yeah, t- and, uh, yeah. A
0: shameless plug. We we talked about the fact that she played three singles for UCLA in my podcast with Kennedy Schaefer. Um well, that was one of my winners later in the week is just the fact that I was getting so much on <laughs> on Twitter about it. It means you're listening. So I really appreciate it. And you should listen to it uh, because Kennedy was just such a great guest and it was such a fun podcast. But my first winner from this week, the crowd in Capoco, man, they were nuts. I mean, booing, cheering, just – Staying up till, what was it, 12, uh, you know, till midnight, staying there, making sure it was a loud environment. They were fueling Kyrgios because they realized he wanted to play the villain role. It was it, everything you want from an ATP crowd. It's like, why can't we do that here? Uh, dude, I, if every match could be
1: a Davis Cup match atmosphere, I would be stoked.
0: Screw Davis Cup. If every match could be a college tennis atmosphere, I would be stoked because those are great, too. Just, like, give me some cheers, people. I want to hear, like, this Acapulco crowd because they were great. Uh, My other – I mean, my other winner, and this will help segue to my losers, is just tennis Twitter in general because it was vibrant. (laughs) I I mean, there are so many topics going around. We didn't even talk about the early week stuff, you know. Mackie McDonald makes a quarterfinal. Cam Norrie makes a semifinal. College tennis is thriving, and it's like we can't even talk about it because there's so many other storylines. You know, it's been a great week for tennis Twitter. But my other loser, or I guess transitioning to my losers, tennis Twitter. Like I saw someone make a, a comparison, like. This, this is when I really lost. Is when someone said, "Wow, Nick Kyrgios is hated so much; his attitude is so bad that the Acapulco crowd is cheering for a Trump supporter in John Isner over Nick Kyrgios. And I'm like, guys, are we really doing this? Politics in tennis? Like, and Dennis, like get, no, it's just like get the f- out of
1: here. It's just
0: like it's just like everyone's gotta be make their smarmy comment, and everyone's gotta say something, and it's just like God, I. I hate everyone sometimes. And my other loser, though, Tennis Twitter, again, because if you didn't see the ATP with their stupid f***ing rules, are saying no more gifts on Tennis Twitter. Oh my You're like, God. limited to five per match. And this is a huge scandal. This is the other rant. When I texted you, I had a rant to get off my chest, and I know we're a little bit over, and I think the explanation for the pot is we're g- going to write off as the excuse for this. But if we want to grow the game of tennis, we need to make it more marketable. People who are young are on social media more often. I don't need to show, you know, I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but people who are far smarter than me on the topic have written about it at length. And one of the most communicable, you know, one of the things we think that is so thrilling about tennis is the chance at, you know, spontaneity Every instant, you're always going to have a different point construction. At any given time, someone can rip a ball up the line, or hit a tweener, or go, you know, behind the back, or hit a Rothman kick serve out wide, which I would watch GIFs of all of the time. <laughs> and it's just like that is the most—that's the most modern way to market the sport. Show how enjoyable it can be on a per-point basis, and get people intrigued. They want to see the racket smashes. They want to see the weird interactions with water bottles on the bench. They want to see the post-match handshakes that are a little bit contentious and if you're limiting our our ability to do that atp you're ruining the sport you're limiting the opportunity for growth and it's just stupid i mean look how many
1: times have you talked to people in the last you know few years where you say oh I, i read this you know story on so and so website and really all they read was the caption right like so many of our generation of the millennials have you know the attention span. Our generation of the millennials. I said the millennials. <laughs> I know that's, drop the the. It's cleaner. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um. Yeah. Facebook. Hey. Great shot. Um. But yeah, we have we have attention. The attention span of a squirrel. So you know, you take away the gifts and and the short videos. And you're seriously, you're going to just lose whole fans altogether. Like, there are fans that are probably purely watching those videos. They're not watching the matches on YouTube. They're not watching the matches on TV. Um, so, yeah, they're shooting themselves in the foot. That's all I can say.
0: Completely agree with you. Well, then let's wrap up here, Max Rothman. This first mini break episode, last two losers, about thirty five minutes long- I got two. Lo- two, oh. just two other. I like. Oh yeah, I I cut you off for losers. Sorry, uh, first episode just, quirks. My bad. Just
1: two quick losers. Um, <laughs> just shut up, Alex. catching K- Kachanov, dude. <laughs>
0: oh, another first
1: round loss. That's that's trash. Uh, another young guy, Medvedev. Bad first round loss. Uh, but but again, those are just doesn't my Just
0: only two losers as far as the. Actual I'm not going to fight you, Kachanov. I agree with Medvedev. If you've listened to the Lost podcast, we spend all this time complimenting him. We're I know. The Lost, whatever. Um, he, he's earned the benefit of the doubt. Yep. Um, But let, let's wrap up there then, Max Rothman. Any final thoughts on this mini-break? Anything you want our fans? If they're watching this week, what should they be looking for in the build-up to Indian Wells? Ooh, that, that'll that come in uh, the mini-break
1: on Wednesday or Thursday where we recap Ooh, the— good tease. Yeah, the, good tees. the full, the full lead-up to the tournament. But uh, I will be there, so— Uh, hopefully can bring you guys some uh, personal coverage and some uh, up-close action from the Instagram and Twitter when, when
0: I'm there absolutely and for now we're going to be releasing this podcast under the GSP feed but as soon as we have enough episodes we will be getting this podcast on its own feed so at that time you know, be sure rate, review, subscribe, like, share with your friends continue to do that with this podcast as well as the Great Shot podcast and the Cracked Interviews podcast we've got so many fun things planned right now in the Cracked Rackets front I wish I could share it with you guys but we don't do a good enough job of taking a list of notes so I might just come up with things on the spot and there may be ideas no I'm just kidding uh, but seriously check out our website crackrackets.com. We also, fun milestone for you, Max, we had five thousand followers on Instagram. Kinda cool. Yeah we did. Yeah we did. And none of
1: and there were none that were purchased. That's it that's a disclaimer. (laughs) None were purchased. So
0: Dalton bought my love many moons ago. You think I give that (laughs) to him for free? Well, then, we can wrap up there. As always, got to give a huge shout-out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, who make it possible for us to experiment with so many different types of mediums. Uh, so, huge shout-out to them. Um, huge shout-out to Max Fligner as well, because it was on the Lost Pod. His birthday just a few days ago, February 26th. So, happy birthday to you, Max Fligner. Westoff give him a little but from our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, from my outstanding co-host, Maxwell Lebauer rothman who will be chairing this podcast tomorrow, and from our entire team at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxi, we don't say, hey, great shot on this one, but what are we going to say to them? That's a break! <laughs> you got the mini break! <laughs> I love it, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.